Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 84 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here, as always, with Sarah Powers. And today we're talking about something I think is going to appeal to a surprisingly large number of our listeners, I hope anyway, and that is writing. Writing. Um, Sarah and I, writing. Yeah. Like, you know, not with a pen. Well, maybe maybe with a pen. <laughs> <laughs> I still journal with a pen. But I think that, you know, Sarah and I are both writers, and I think that people tend to be attracted to people like them. Mm-hmm. Not that you guys are attracted <laughs> to us. but um, So it wouldn't surprise me if there's a large, silent majority of writers and would-be writers and maybe want-to-be writers in our, in our midst I, here. I, what do you think, Sarah? I agree. And I also think that sometimes motherhood actually kind of awakens – the writer in you in a different way. If you've been even, if you've been even a little bit of like a writerly type in your life, but maybe it was being put toward your work or it was just in a journal, but there's something that shifts, I think a lot of times. Um, and especially if you're reading good writing about motherhood, at least I feel like that's what happened to me. And I thought, well, I kind of want to do that, you know, so we're going to get into all of that. But this was inspired by a listener, Marin. Um, And Marin submitted a question using our SpeakPipe app, which is a really fun way to record a question. And I'll link to how you can do that for others who want to submit a question that way. But we're going to listen to Marin's question. And then we're going to talk about writing everything from um, getting into a habit of writing to if you want to start submitting your work or getting published. Um, and we're, we're not going to be able to cover it all, but I think both Megan, you and I have some good resources to recommend, um, since this is our world. So let's listen to Marin's question. Hi, I first wanted to say thank you so much for creating such an amazing program that lends me so much support and comfort. My name is Marin. I have a question for you all about writing. Um, I'm a teacher and, um, but was a creative writing minor and and English Lit major in college, and I miss it so much. So I was wondering if you had any tips or advice for what are the good places I have this just store of writing material that I do to fulfill some creative um, piece of me, but was looking to think about what would it mean to try and publish this in a magazine or 
something like that. And so I was wondering if you had good advice for anyone on how to reach out to people, what are the good publications that um, are responsive on any topic. I have several pieces that have to do with parenting, et cetera, um, and a lot about teaching <laughs> and the state of our educational system. So um, just looking for general advice on that. Thank you so very much. Bye. Okay. Well, this is um, quite honestly bringing back some flashbacks because um, for those who don't know, and longtime listeners, you guys all know this, but for newer listeners, Megan and I first connected when Megan was a very established writer for magazines um, turned professional blogging. And I was sort of an aspiring writer, at least aspiring in the parenting field. So um, a lot of what we're going to talk about today, Megan, kind of goes back to the freelance writing class that you taught online that I took, which was over five years ago. Um, yeah. So, oh my gosh. I can't believe that was over five years ago. I know. And oh. I'm just so impressed with Marin, just that she... Um, has things that she's been writing already that she wants to yes. because I feel you're already ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm just so proud of you, Marin, that you've been writing anyway. I feel like I was always, it was a little bit of like a cart before horse and cart being backwards. I always, um, kind of felt like I needed to know what m- my assignment was or where, or what my publication goal was and then work backward from there. So I'm just so impressed that she's writing and now has things that she's yeah. ready to, submit. So go you. Yeah, me too. Um, Yay, Marin. Okay. Well, let's start with, and actually let me also yeah. say though, I don't think there's anything wrong with the way you did it too, Sarah. I think this is a, this is one of those personality situations, yeah. like personality things, you yes, know, definitely. I think you like to work with an end goal in mind yeah. and some of us just throw a bunch of crap at the wall and see if anything happens. And- that is a, I just totally killed that. <laughs> metaphor <laughs> but, or now you know what I'm saying there are walls and carts and horses and things being thrown <laughs> yes. so Marin you're in good hands yes absolutely really good hands here um well let's start let's start with kind of baby steps here I guess my first piece of advice for Marin and and we're going to start with the assumption that she really you know has some things she's ready to submit um is to do a little bit of research and reading into the type of publications online or print that you like to read. I feel like Megan, when I took your class, this was one of our first assignments. And even if you're already a consumer, if you read some online parenting blogs and major websites and publications, when you do it with that, the filter of possibly getting published somewhere, um, it does change things. So I would get out a pen and paper list or a computer based list and start just writing down, you know, all the, all the publications that you like to read and that you think are a general match for your type of writing. So Marin's a teacher and she said she likes to write about some education issues. And then it sounds like quite a bit about motherhood. So if those are kind of her two areas, um, I would just start making a good old fashioned list. Um, yeah. there, there's some, before I yeah. got started, I spent a lot of time just at the bookstore looking to see what was there. Yeah. And that was like my work for a long time before yeah. I actually started pitching. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. and then I think when you when especially with online publications, um, they often, not always, but often have submitting guidelines right there on their website. Um, I'm going to mention a few as we go, and this is by no means a definitive list, but the ones that kind of come to us and then we'll add more in the show notes, but scary mommy, for example, which is, you know, kind of humor writing about parenting, light, funny, um, pop culture sometimes, 
Um, Scary Mommy has submission guidelines right on their website. Um, there's a newer one called Motherwell um, that was started by Megan. I think you might know these gals. One of them was an editor at Brainchild Magazine. Uh, oh, is it Jennifer or um, Stephanie? Oh, Randy. I thought Randy came. Randy. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's the one I didn't ever okay. work with. <laughs> but um, yeah, but Brainchild was yes. definitely one of my you know formative publication. Yeah. So Brainchild is a print magazine and then they also have a blog. Um, Motherwell, which is this newer one, um, is kind of literary essays, kind of more like on the literary side of things, I would say. Um, Mamalode is an online magazine and they accept submissions. All of these places have submission guidelines right on their website. Um, so do your homework, do your research and, you know, don't worry too much about getting in when you're doing this kind of info gathering phase. I think it would just help. Don't you think Megan to have everything kind of all in one place, whether that's like a spreadsheet or, in your journal or whatever, yeah. just sort of just a place written down where you kind of jot down what they, and the things I would look for, um, are general tones. So if you're writing really literary essays, you're going to be looking and sometimes you can do both. Like if you write humor and you write, you know, more earnest, I, um, literary stuff, like raising my hand, I have done yeah. both. Yeah. Yeah. You can do both. So I would just, I would write them both down. I would make a note of which have which kind of tone so that when you're writing a piece or editing a piece, you can think, oh, this might be a good fit for XYZ publication. I would also make a note of length, yes, word length, if say. that's um, mm-hmm. an issue for them. You know, it's like sometimes it's 600 to 800 words. Some don't care. They just want you to tell a good story. Um, but you can kind of get a feel for that. And that also might help you decide where certain pieces will go or if there's something you've written that's like a little too long but you're willing to sacrifice a bit of it to get it in this publication that you really want it gives you a starting yes. place so yeah definitely keep a list and and then write down the editor's information or whoever you're submitting to write that down and just keep it or put it in the spreadsheet and just keep it in one place yep. because you don't want to have to keep backtracking and looking for that information every single time yeah it'll just be a hindrance you don't need any hindrances right and for me there's always a little bit of a chicken and the egg like I said I, I tend to kind of like to have a goal in mind and write for that particular audience or publication but sometimes when you have an idea like if I have a half-formed idea and then I go through my kind of list of publications that I've either written for or would like to sometimes one of them will be will jog me and think oh I could actually shift that idea and that would be perfect for that so there's a little bit I feel like of a dance between the when you kind of know the publications that are out there sometimes that can help you refine an idea and then gear it toward that publication without sacrifice you know without you know sacrificing your original idea but sort of tailoring it toward that um that audience yeah absolutely um, so I think that's what I would, another thing we, we don't want to keep, we don't want to, um, overlook our other mom blogs yes. that just might take a lot of people have written guest content for the blog that we used to keep the happiest yep. home. We had a lot of people submit, um, through there and often the online version of a major, um, newspaper uh-huh. will have an essay section that's a little easier to get into than the paper itself. Uh-huh. So like the New York times, um, does, and so does Washington post mm-hmm. on parenting and it's, I mean, they take, I guess one of the things we'll, I'm sure, Sarah, you're in your organized outline, you probably already have a note for us to cover this, but a lot of times the question is, well, I need clips to get published, but how do I get clips when I don't have any clips? Like, how how do you get that first piece out there? And I think a lot of times that is a written, an already written essay and places like um, On Parenting at the Washington Post, for example, are very open to that because you've already written it. So they don't have to take a chance on you. They just read it. And if they like it, they buy it. It's not, you know, it's not like a risk, like if they were going to sign you a reported yes. piece. And then you can pull a few of those together and then now you have some clips. Now you have a portfolio and you have a place to go with. 
Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion, and because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. This episode is sponsored by Olive in June. And Sarah, I am just so grateful that I have mastered the art of doing my nails at home. When I look down at my cute manicure, I feel a little more pulled together, no matter how crazy life is at the moment. Thankfully, Olive and June's Manny system makes it so easy and affordable to make Manny time a regular part of my weekly routine. Well, I know the feeling, Megan, and I think it's so fun that with Olive and June, you get to customize your Manny system with your choice of six polishes, plus their top coat is included. So Katie on our team says that she has lately been layering some of their iridescent colors over their gel-like polishes, and the final result looks super shimmery and pretty. I might have to try that this spring. Yeah, and Olive and June press-ons are another cool option. They look so real, and I think it would be a great way to test out another nail shape. A long almond shape is popular right now, and I'm kind of curious what that would look like on me. Okay, well, keep me posted on that one. Listeners, visit oliveandjune.com slash the mom hour for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first Manny system. And this is a good time to say that since we're talking about Marin's specific question and she has some things already written, um, that most of the things we're talking about right now, whether it's an essay or, um, you know, an article with tips for other parents, we're talking about submitting completed pieces. And that's another, like you're saying, Megan, when you're trying to build, build clips and these types of publications, you're most often submitting something that is already written. Um, unlike, the idea of pitching an article idea. So, and and I think that's probably right. where we'll mostly stay today since we only, you know, yeah. have a finite amount of time, but just in case anybody's, you know, wondering if you're a, if you're an unknown or lesser known writer and you're, and you're wanting to publish these types of places, it, it should be something that is already written and polished, uh, you know, to the best of your yes. ability. Not, I, not, I have an Ready. idea Publishing to write about sleep t- training my baby. Would you like to read my idea? Right. Right, exactly. Yes, you've written. You're you're submitting a fully written piece, and I think this was actually also be a really good time to answer this question, which I know people have so sheepishly asked me this question, like they think it's the dumbest question in the world. But it's one of those things that when you're getting started, it's all a mystery. Like everything yes. is a mystery. Yeah. So I remember the question I had at first, and then other people have come to me with, and it's not a dumb question. Is like literally, how do I send this out? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, and I think this is like, what do I do? So, so I, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I have an email address, and I have 
you know, a piece, I've written, like, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like Sarah mentioned, often there will be writer's guidelines or there will be instructions. Sometimes it's a form. Mm -hmm. um, but if you are just sending it via email, the like just kind of cold, mm -hmm. the literally what I would write is, dear so-and-so, whoever the editor is, or whatever name you might have. Try to get a name if you can. I do think it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. um, I'm writing to submit my essay, name of essay. Mm -hmm. It's X number of words. And it, it describes something. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just give it, like, kind of sum it up. Mm -hmm. I always cut and pasted it into the email itself. I do, too. Some people have a weird thing about attachments. Um, then I would just say I can also attach it as a Word document um, if you, you know, if you'd like. And that's it. Yep. Um, editors get best wishes, so, sincerely, whatever yep, your thing, they get so your much information. Um, they get so many emails. So I, I do the exact same thing. Um, and I also say sometimes, cause I often have, um, photos that could go along if it's for a blog, but I, yeah. I don't attach word documents or photos with a first pitch because I think sometimes attachments can get caught in spam or just annoy people. Yeah. So, and if people just don't want to download them, yeah. you know, I mean, I understand that. So, so. I just paste the entire yeah. thing and then I do make a note that I can provide photos or, you know, whatever, a headshot if you need it, whatever. Um, you can always do all of yeah. that later, but yes, I paste the whole, and then going back to the idea of a submissions form, this is something I feel like has changed a little bit in the five years since I took your class, Megan. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like the, there's more, um, there are better ways to handle online submissions that are actually being used well by publications, which means it used, I think it used to kind of be, they would say here, submit via our form, but really the best way to get in front right. of them was to have an editor's name and to contact that editor directly. And I think that can still be the case, especially if you've worked with an editor before and it's your second time, you know, but I almost feel like even the editors who know you prefer using the system sometimes now. So unless you okay, that's interesting. I'm a little out of the loop. I haven't really, I, and I've only, you know, I've only, I've, I haven't been doing it as a beginner either. I, <laughs> so yeah. like now, if I were to submit, I'd go to someone I already know. Yes, exactly. So it'd be just, yeah. I think if you have an editor's name, um, it do, it never hurts to try just what we just said. Um, you know, a direct yeah. contact, simple, keep it simple, put the body of your submission in the email. However, I do feel like, so submittable, have you used submittable Megan through anything? No. Submittable is like an online platform that several of these places I've mentioned, um, mama load, Mom, mother. Well, I think scary mommy, I think they all use submittable and it's a, um, it's a platform where you can put everything right in there for them. And I think with the way they're handling volume of submissions that, um, it does make it easier for them to see everything. And I think they really do go through every submission when it's, so I guess my, yeah. my suggestion is if they, if they recommend submitting through a form and it seems legit, try it. If you also have an editor's name, you can try that. I don't think it's has to be either or. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's actually a good tip because I have, I've been a little out of the submitting loop over the last couple of years. So, and I, and I just feel like now. I see more and more, <laughs> Um, you know, writer's guidelines pages saying, you know, very clearly we look at submissions that are submitted through our system. So don't. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm glad that they say that because like a lot of times I know there was always this mystery about it. Um, years ago, it was kind of like, is this even going anywhere? Yeah. Is it just falling into this Flushed black back. hole yeah. of, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So I also wanted to mention like, I think, Oh, and don't forget, like, if you do email because the place doesn't have a form or for whatever reason, make sure you make it very, very clear that you're submitting an essay for consideration that you, because I think 
now we all get so much spam. And I personally, when we were blogging, Sarah, we got so mm-hmm. many PR pitches. Mm-hmm. And then these kind of shady guest post yeah. um, pitches that weren't really, they were like salesy. Yeah. So I think you have to be really, you have to say something like, you know, freelance writer or um, essay submission. Yep. Like just make it really clear that you're, you are a writer, not a marketer, yep. and that you are sending them something for them to consider yep. um, to publish. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, I usually yeah. put submission or I, I usually use the word submission instead of pitch, but one or the other in the subject yeah. line, like submission. And I'll say, edit, yeah. I'll use the word editorial or something okay. like that because I just, I feel like yeah, the more you can, the more you can spell it out for them, right. <laughs> the better. Right. And, and I'll often put the name if I, if it's a good, you know, if, if it's like a catchy essay name, yep. I'll put the name in it as yep, well. Me too. Um, should we address like the fear? Part? Yeah. <laughs> of getting stuff out there. Um, I know that was a big one for me when I was first submitting and I do have some strategies for that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a big thing to like put your stuff up, your, yourself out there in that way. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling very like afraid of rejection, like every little thing I sent out really um, was very fraught. Yeah. And so honestly, the way I got around that was I had a couple like workarounds. One was just to keep busy. Like Always be writing or pitching something because the more stuff you have out there, mm-hmm. the less you obsess mm-hmm. about that one thing you wrote that now no one wants. And that must mean you're a loser mm-hmm. and no one likes you and your writing stinks. So if you have one thing out there, then everything hinges on that one piece. But if you can kind of keep like a little rotation going, um, then I feel like then each there's more chance you're going to get some traction with one and you obsess a little bit less about the others. Yep. Do you agree, Sarah? I, I totally yeah. agree. And um, just to jump in, I don't think we said this, but it should be said that um, it's not really cool to submit the same piece to multiple outlets at the same time. In general, that's not a great strategy. But if you have multiple pieces that you've pitched to separate outlets, do you know what I mean? Like I've right. written an essay, I'm yeah, going to submit absolutely. it over here. I've written, you know, a humor piece, I'm going to submit it over here. Then yes, absolutely. Then you've just got more irons in the fire and it's less fraught, like exactly like you said. Yeah. And I think sometimes as well as if it's a very timely piece, like if it's holiday oriented or, or so, you've like feel this pressure to really get some in front of someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I have before mentioned in a pitch or in a, in a submission that, um, like I'd really like to hear back by X and if not, I might, I might send it elsewhere. I probably wouldn't do that if I was brand new, yeah. but if you have a couple pieces out there or you're a little bit more established or you're reasonably sure they're, you know, going to at least like it even if they don't take it, we should talk about that too. Like they might love your piece and not actually have room to publish it. So there could be somebody looking at it right now, trying to figure out how to fit it in to their schedule. And then it turns out they just can't. Um, So sometimes it just gets like caught up. Sometimes people just get bogged down and they need a nudge. And that's another thing that might've changed Sarah. I know when, when I was really freelancing heavily, I was a huge fan of following Mm -hmm. up because I would, I can't tell you how many times I would follow up with an editor and they'd say, Oh, I just missed it. Or it went to my spam. Now, if they're using these more like structured, organized systems, maybe that's not happening. Well, maybe it's more like if you don't hear back, it's not happening. And I find also that they're being more clear about that in their writer's guidelines. I think in the five years since I learned from you, writer's guidelines seem to be more writer friendly. Don't you feel like it used to be a little bit more mysterious and you had to get the insight? It was very off-putting. Yeah. You had to get the insight. It was kind of like, or they'd, they'd say one thing, but you knew, you knew that it was knew that wasn't even differently true. behind the scenes. And I kind of, I think that the writer's guidelines used to be very much like, please don't pitch yeah. us. <laughs> you know, like, here's the guidelines for how to pitch us, but just don't, yeah. just don't do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so you're I, totally I right. That, so I'm glad to hear that they're more clear. The ones I'm thinking of say things like, 
and, and it's all different. Each one is different. But if you don't hear with us within two weeks, it means we can't use it this time. Or some will say you will hear from us um, either way within two weeks. And some say, okay. you know, but I, back to the follow-up thing, I feel like that's like probably one of the top three things I learned from you. And I agree. I got, I got published because I followed up more than once, actually probably more often than not. In other words, more than half right. of like my bigger published pieces have been as a result of a follow-up. So, you know, you can always follow up once politely, I think without hounding and being a pain in the, you know what? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and you might find that they, it gets you someplace and you might not. Yeah. And that's when you move on. But I totally agree about being, you know, having, getting out there. And if you're, it sounds like Marin has a lot of ideas and a lot that she has written or wants to write. So using that energy and that prolificness to your advantage, as opposed to waiting for that one thing that you've hung all of your hopes on. Um, I want to offer, yeah. because I forgot to earlier, a couple other ideas for starting really small baby steps. And that is, um, local stuff. Cause I don't think we really touched on that. Oh yeah. So, no, we didn't. Um, I meant to, too. my very first, any kind of writing about parenting or motherhood was for a local online mom's blog was not paid. Um, and I was just brought on as an unpaid contributor and it was a fantastic experience. It led to a lot of other things for me, but there's almost for sure some kind of online local, you know, things to do in your area, mom's blog type of website. Um, actually, if any of them are in the city mom's blog network, which has like 68 sites right now, I think, um, that's was Scottsdale mom's blog that I started writing for and they just have a great reputation and they're really well run website. So you may have one in your area, Marin. Um, so I'll link to them and you can look that up, but any kind of a website like that, um, it's just a great, I think it's a great way to get started. It just feels like safe and small and it's your own town. And maybe yeah. you're going to write a short write-up of, you know, a free mom and baby class that's going on in your area. And so it's like just the very dipping your toes into journalism and travel writing, which is a different genre for sure, but they may also take essays and more general blog post yeah. ideas. So that's a great one. And then local print parenting magazines as well. May have, yeah. may, they may have an online section. They may have submission guidelines. Ours in Arizona had an essay section at the back of everyone. Um, and that was a great, that was the first place was I was ever in print print and that's really fun. So, um, think local too, as well as think within these other sort of categories. And I have, I have found that the local ones tend to be very responsive. Yeah. Um, I don't think they get, it depends on where you live, but I think they just don't get as many pitches because in any city or region, you just aren't going to have as many writers who are willing to put themselves out there and submit something. So, um, they're, I find that they're hungry for content. And you know, the other funny thing about that is you might, you might know the editors and not yeah. even know it. Like you might be at play group yeah. with these people yeah. or they might be on the PTA or something like that. Yeah. So it's very, it has that very like, I don't know, insular cozy feeling um, that makes it kind of a little more approachable, mm -hmm. I guess, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I mean, nobody wants to be like pitched via Facebook messenger or anything. Well, maybe some people do, but I, I don't think so. But that doesn't mean that if you have a connection with someone, you can't be like, Hey, do you have any insight right. about what, you might be looking for at the magazine right. or something like that. And that brings me to another piece of advice. I don't know. Are we going to be able to fit this all in, Sarah? I feel like I could go on for days. Um, go for it. I Is that, you know, when you put yourself out there, and that's probably the hardest thing to do often when you're getting started. Like, when, when am I allowed to call myself a writer? Mm -hmm. Can I do it now? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been published twice. Now can, can I call myself a writer? Well, how about now? And I think that that just gets in our way because one of the most um, – 
one of the most effective ways I have found of getting yourself out there and published is to just let people know what you're doing. Yeah. And that's true for anything, you know, whether you're starting a business or, you know, trying to get your art in a gallery yeah. or writing or whatever, tell people what you're doing because then they'll think of you. So I can personally think off the top of my head of like three or four times when someone has mentioned to me that they're trying to get more stuff published. Mm -hmm. And then like the next day or two days later, an opportunity falls in my lap. Right. And then who do I think right. of? That right. person, right? right? It's not that I wasn't thinking of them before or didn't like them or didn't think they were talented. Right. They just hadn't reminded me of what they were doing. Right. And, and people are very busy. And so sometimes you just need to really be out there. Like, you know, you can put on Facebook, like one of my goals for the year, this is a great time of year to do right. it. You know, everyone's talking about their resolutions. Right is to get published. Right. And I would love any advice or feedback or, you know, anyone who wants to throw me an opportunity, that'd be awesome. And, you know, that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen, but you, then you've kind of said, this is what I'm doing. Right. And also you've stated it, right. which I think makes it a little less like in your head. Right. And now you actually have to follow right. through. Right. So. No, it is. It's so true. But that is, it's also really hard. I find that, I find that it really is, hard. I and it goes back to my sort of cart before the horse mentality, which is, still a bad metaphor, but I, I always kind of wanted to have something done before I talked about it as opposed to declaring, yeah. you know, so that's, that is hard. Marin seems really motivated and really brave. Um, I want to touch on money for a second. Cause I think it's a question to ask sure. yourself, um, what your, if you have pieces of writing or you've been wanting to blog or write, um, we don't like to, people don't like to ask or talk about money, but I think it's a good question to ask yourself. Um, you could just ask yourself, do I need to be paid for this? Is it going to, you know, replace part of my income or do I have income goals tied to my writing? Do I have income goals tied to like my value and self-worth, which is a different question. Like I don't really want to write for right. free because I, you know, cause I value my time versus I need to put sandwiches in my kids' lunch boxes need an right. income. Those are kind of two <laughs> branches of the income question. And then if you are okay writing for um, not expecting an income either right away or ever, that's also a completely valid thing too. So I think just kind of asking yourself those questions um, and not being afraid to dig into those writer's guidelines or, or ask other writers um, who are farther along, hey, does this place pay? Does this, um, you know, yeah. because... Some of the places we've mentioned pay, some don't, some pay sometimes and not others. Um, and there are writers who will, you know, really do not like to write for free on principle. And I totally respect that. And there's others who, you know, I've written for free. I don't really like to anymore, but I probably would for if there was a set of circumstances that made it a good decision. So I guess it's just, it's okay yeah. to be curious about it's okay to be curious about what these places pay. And if you can't find it out, dig around, ask around or, you know, it, so I don't know. Do you have anything else to say on that, Megan? <clears throat> no, I, I think that, you know, like, I just want to, I guess, expand on your point about like knowing your goals and what, why you're doing it in the first place. And I think that, um, I think that sometimes it's like, why the way it makes it okay for me or the way I kind of look at it is why is this person not paying? And then what is the trade off? Mm -hmm. Like, is this publication not paying because it's a mom blog and they don't have a budget, but I really feel connected to their work. And, um, I really feel like this would be a great fit for my writing. And I, I agree with this, you know, person's mentality or worldview or whatever, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> that would be very different from, for me, 
from here's this huge website and they want me to write for free, but they're not really going to promote my work and I don't see myself getting anything out of it. I guess my point is, even when you're a very beginner, I think you have room to be a little bit picky. Don't feel like you have to just throw something anywhere just so it's in print and not on your own blog because it might be more valuable on your own blog, honestly. If you're trying to build a body of work and you you know, the choices between putting it on your own, in your own space and in someone else's space, your own space might be the better answer, even if it doesn't mean like you've been accepted and I'm making air quotes right, right now right. by someone else. Right. Um, it might, it might be a smarter thing for you to just keep it right. for yourself. I mean, there's, so yes, I think that writing for free at the beginning, especially, um, is sometimes just something that has to happen and that's fine. And then it's up to you whether you want to do that indefinitely or not. Right. But just like, just know the value of what you're, that what you're offering has value, even if right now no one's actually told you it has any value. Yeah. No, that, <laughs> It does. It's content. Everyone needs it. That's so true. That's so true. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And I find that um, the, actually the probably the majority of publications I've written for print and online have paid something. And most of them probably yeah. wish they could pay more, but because of the media landscape yeah. and the industry... And right. that has always been kind of okay with me. Like if I'm looking for a dollar amount to put on the time I spent writing an essay, it's probably going to come up short. If I if I were to say, what mm-hmm. is the value of my time worth on an hourly basis? No, this publication did not pay me right. out, you know, hour for hour. But did they pay me what's sort of considered a fair fee right now in this media landscape? Probably, you know, so I, it's everybody, right. yeah. you, it, you know, everybody has their own kind of definition of what, feels acceptable, but I just wanted to bring, yeah, bring it up. And, and I think the other thing that I, that especially now that so much of blogging has become very commercialized and stuff. Another thing I kind of see happening or a trend is, um, moms, especially actually blogging for like multi-billion dollar product companies, yeah. but doing it without really getting anything out yeah. of it. <laughs> and so that's another thing where I'm like, what are you like, what, what are you getting out of yeah. it? If it's the if it's just the pleasure of having your work on this place that you respect so much, or um, is it money or is it, is it truly exposure? Not just, they say they're going to give you exposure because they don't always, you know? So like, I don't know, I guess I I feel like I'm repeating myself, but sometimes I think, sometimes I think it's just an honest, this is what the media landscape is. And sometimes it's a little bit of like, it's a little bit greedy. Mm -hmm. And that's where I start to get irritated because, because it takes advantage of newer writers, yep. and I'm, I don't like that. Yep. I'm protective of newer writers. Well, and that's another reason to do your market research and to try try and pitch several different places because you'll find people who pay right. different amounts and in different ways. And um, so, and you're allowed to ask that, by the yeah. way. I, mean, I wouldn't ask it in the pitch, but once the story's been 
accept it or they say, yeah, I'd love to run this, that's when you ask. Yep. And you can say, can you, and it just it doesn't have to be like, how much are you paying me? You could say, can I ask about compensation? Yeah. Just come fun, come up with some like kind of namby-pamby way to say it and <laughs> <laughs> that you could feel good about. But it's okay to ask. Yeah. You know, I think we're always, I think one thing I wish that newer writers had was just more faith or, you know, like you're not going to ask a question and then be blackballed forever. It's not like this editor is now going to go tell all of her editor friends, can you believe she asked if right. she was going to get paid? And then they're all going to laugh at you and like write your name on a wall someplace. That is not going to happen. No, so, and, ha- and if it does, then having you don't want them. Having been on the editorial side a little bit, I mean, most editors just want a nicely written, like correctly spelled email that's friendly and professional. Honestly, like, yep. the, you know, there's so we get like you said, there's so many PR pitches and basically requests for free exposure um, that a, a well-written, intelligent pitch, you you can spot them. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. Okay, so before we wrap up, I have a few more specific um, kind of resources for Marin or other places to get this information since we were only able to spend, you know, 40 minutes or so. Um, and the first is the hashtag am writing podcast with Jessica Leahy and KJ Delantonia, which I have mentioned numerous times on this show. It's funny, I'm not even writing right now, Megan. Like, I'm really not pitching, but I love this podcast. I'm not either. <laughs> they remind me of <laughs> yeah. us, honestly, with their banter yeah. and their... Um, they are both full-time professional writers. So if you're at the very beginning, like Marin, some of their shows might be probably further into the true like career and the daily practice of being a professional writer. Right. However, especially early in their show, and I will link in our show notes to a few specific episodes, they covered pitching, they covered should you start a blog if you're kind of in this place um, versus, you know, only trying to get published elsewhere. They've talked about a lot of the things we've, um, they've talked about writing for free versus not writing for free. A lot of the things that you and I touched on today, Megan, very briefly, they've done a whole episode about, and they're just really fun. They're real life friends. Like we are Their Their banter reminds me kind of of our, of us. So, um, and listening to other people talk about, will kind of keep it top of mind for you. And I find that very inspiring. Just like, yeah. you know, kind of like consuming people talking about the thing you want to do kind of makes you more want to yeah, do it. And they, they <laughs> so, really demystify. Yeah. They're not afraid of sharing tips and tricks. They've both, you know, they're New York times and the Atlantic and published books and they're legit writers, but they're, they're not on a pedestal. Like they deal with, you know, procrastination and fear and all of the things that everybody does. So I, that's one of the reasons I like it. Um, so that is the hashtag am writing podcast with Jessica Leahy and KJ Delantonia. Um, the other thing I was going to recommend was our friend Shawnee Broussier, um, is a writer colleague of ours and Megan, she and I both took your class around the same time and she really turned, she really took it and turned her freelance writing into a full-time income career. Yeah. She left her job as a nurse and became a full-time writer, which I think is awesome. And she has four little kids and she makes her full-time income from freelance writing. So she has a virtual class. Um, and I know she told me Megan that she still kind of credits you and sings your praises and has developed her own class. So that would be like, you know, taking, taking what you taught us. And then this is now her spin on it. So I will link to that. Um, but it's geared specifically toward moms. Um, and I think right now she's running a special on it. It's about a $200. And I think she's running a deal that's about 150 just to give, give you a ballpark. Um, but I'll link to that. Um, and that would be great if you're ready to kind of invest in, in learning the freelance writing trade. And again, from somebody who's really turned it into a career. Um, 
Absolutely. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is that you and I were both separately interviewed on the Sarah R. Bagley podcast um, this past week, um, which is January 2017, if you're listening to this in the future. And we both separately, but talked about our careers and kind of how they evolved from. Yeah, we did. So yeah. if you're interested more in how Megan and I happened on these um, writing careers, um, those would be a fun listen. I feel like when we're on the other side of the mic, so to speak, we end up talking more about ourselves and it might be a fun way for our listeners to both get to know us and then also find a new podcast. So that's the Sarah R Bagley podcast. I'll link to all of this in the show notes. Um, and both Megan and I were on back-to-back episodes, um, this second week of January, 2017. And so we, you know, we ended up talking about a lot of this type of stuff, creativity and writing and our careers. So yeah. It was kind of fun. Yeah. And I also want to mention that I, um, <clears throat> a few years ago, had a course that I was, you know, like an email um, course. And I've taken that and distilled it down to just a couple of pages of like the most salient points. Mm-hmm. And we would love to give that to you. If you want to give us an email, send us an email, hello at themomhour.com and just put, I don't know, writing tips or yeah. something. We read them all. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter what you say, but just say, send us, you know, send me this, these guidelines and we'd be happy to. It's just a little, you know, like a little place to get started if you're not ready to dive into a course yet, but you want to know more about how to get started. Absolutely. So shoot us an email. Yeah. Email us hello at themomhour.com and we will give you that little guide. Um, well, this has been really fun. I, this is like, we haven't yeah. talked about this in a while, even though it's the way we came together. I know. It's kind of like a flashback. Very nice. Well, thank you, Marin, again, for submitting your question. Um, listeners, speakpipe.com slash the mom hour is a really fun way to record a question like Marin did. Um, you can erase and re-record as many times as you want if you feel like you sound goofy, which we all do when we're <laughs> recording our own voice. Um, so you don't have to send it to us until it's the way you like it. But we love to hear your voices and play your questions on the show and answer them. You can ask us about parenting, motherhood, family life, home stuff, whatever, whatever's your burning question for the mom hour. All right. All right. Thanks. See you next week. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.